chapter number 42. Psalms chapter number 42, and I'm going to read a verse for you that uh, the Lord put on our heart, and then I'm going to give you some steps of how we move forward together as a church and continue to be the body of Christ here in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Psalms chapter number 42, we're going to read the last verse uh, of this chapter, verse number 11. Follow along. The Bible says this, Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? That's a question David is asking. He says, hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Now let's pray together and let's ask God to bless his word tonight. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to open it together under quite unprecedented and unique circumstances. I pray that your word would have its will and way in our hearts tonight. I pray for all of our people that are tuning in, that, Lord, through your Holy Spirit that dwells in their heart, you would stir their heart and encourage us through your word tonight to see who we are supposed to be in the face of the crisis that we are going through. Help us tonight, Lord, be the church that we need to be, and, Lord, be the light in this community during this dark time, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. In Psalms chapter number 42, in that verse, verse number 11, David asked several questions that I think we should ask ourselves tonight. He says, why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? And then he gives the answer for why we should not be cast down or disquieted. He says, hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him. And watch closely at the last part of this, this verse. The Bible says, who is the health of my countenance and my God? David is saying that he has no reason to be cast down or disquieted because he's hoping in God and that God is the health of his countenance, meaning his countenance or his attitude or his spirit is a reflection of not his circumstances or about him, but his countenance is a reflection of who his God is. And I believe tonight that as the church, what a wonderful opportunity we have here in this dark hour to make sure we show the world who our God is and the power of our God and the peace of our God through the countenances that we have or through our attitudes. And so over the next few minutes, I want to look at the thought of our attitude in adversity, the subject of our attitude in adversity. Uh, and I want to give you seven things. Now, if you were in the congregation tonight, you would probably moan as the few folks that are here are probably thinking. He's going to give us seven things. Well, they'll be quick things, I assure you. And uh, the only thing that worries me about live stream services is the fact that you can turn me off. And so I want you to know I can't see you, but God sees you. And I hope you're paying attention tonight. I want to give you seven quick things on the attitude or our attitude as the church in the face of all of this adversity. And we're going to give you seven right quick. I want you to jot them down because you're going to need them in the days ahead. The first thing I want to recommend to our church tonight is during this time of adversity is that we continue in prayer. All right? Continue in prayer. Now, I know that probably seems like the most obvious, but I want you to understand that we are in unprecedented and uncharted territory. As a pastor, I've never made decisions for a church that would, number one, lead through an epidemic. Never thought I would lead through that or have to lead through that. Uh, I've never thought that I would have to preach to nearly an empty sanctuary with more people watching over a live stream than were present in the building. But this is the place that we're at. And I want you to understand it's important that you continue in prayer. I want you to continue in prayer during this time, not only for yourself and for your families, but continue in prayer for your church and the church leadership. Pray for our country and pray for our president. One thing I told our men last night of how my heart has been stirred is to think of this. How many of the things 
that we usually give as reasons not to pray and not to walk with God, how many of those things have been taken away? Think about it. We oftentimes don't take time to pray because we're watching television, watching a ball game, or we're keeping up what's going on with the NBA playoffs or preparing for the playoffs or baseball or uh, the, the NCAA tournament that was about to come on, and all of that has been taken away. We don't have our sports anymore, and sadly, many people are even losing their jobs. Many people don't have, have the opportunity to go to work because businesses are shutting down, because people are not getting out and buying things naturally because of the virus that is out there. And now we have a tremendous opportunity to be still. And I want you to think about that tonight. Psalms 46.10, we know the verse well. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. Oftentimes we can't be still because we have so many other things to do. We can't be still because we have ball games to go to and we have things we want to watch on television or we can't be still because we're busy working for uh, physical things that we desire in our life. And now God has helped us be still. And so during this time, let's take that opportunity of being still and be sure we finish out the rest of that verse and get to know God a little bit and learn to walk closer with God and spend more time in prayer. I told our deacons in the meeting last night, the verses that have been coming to mind are Acts chapter number 12. And we look down to verse number five, and the Bible tells us about Peter that was imprisoned by Herod. The Bible tells us that Herod intended to kill Peter as he did with James, and he put him under the watch care of four quaternions of soldiers. We looked that up as best we can tell based on the culture of that time. Uh, it was four different groups of four soldiers. And based on the fact that there were four watches of the night, it's my opinion that he was given four soldiers for, for each watch of the night. The Bible says that he was chained with two chains and had a soldier on either side of him. And you think about it, everywhere Peter looked, there was problems. He was in a prison. He was chained to a soldier on this side. He was chained to a soldier on this side. And there was a death sentence on the head of Peter. And so we look at it, and a lot of that is really something we can relate to today. We look around, you look over there at, at Alabama, they have multiple cases, and Louisiana has far greater outbreaks than we do, and Florida has outbreaks, and all over the country we see these red dots where the outbreak has seemingly surrounded us. And just like Peter, we look around and there's discouragement everywhere. But the Bible says in Acts chapter number 12 and verse number 5 that when Peter was in prison, the Bible says, but prayer was made. Now, I want you to think about that. How encouraging is that tonight? That we look around on every side of us, and it seems like we are shackled to this and shackled to that, and there's discouragement and there's despair, uh, and there's just not a lot to look forward to right now, and the, the shelves at the grocery store are being emptied off. But the Bible says in Peter's case, prayer was made. And here's prayer tipping the scale in the favor of Peter. And we saw how God delivered Peter through what he was going through. So I want to encourage you tonight, throughout this time, let's continue in prayer. And can I give you a little personal advice as well? I want you to pray 10 times the amount that you post. Can we do that together? We're going to pray about this situation and this virus. We're going to pray 10 times the amount that we're going to post. Now, that's going to do one or two things. Uh, that's going to make you either post less or pray more, okay? Uh, I hope you'll pray more. Maybe you need to post less because right now our posts really aren't doing a whole lot of good. Uh, we know what's going on. We know it's bad. We know it's inconveniencing for everybody. So let's spend more time in prayer. 
I'll give you an illustration I read years ago about uh, a tribe in Africa that come to know the Lord. A missionary reached this uh, Eastern African tribe with the gospel of Christ uh, and taught them how to pray. The story goes that each of them would go into a different part of the, uh, the bush and they would pray. They had their own little private prayer closet, if you will, out in the woods in the thicket that was there. After time went by, each of those people would go to their place and pray. They wore uh, the grass away to where it was a dirt path into the thicket where they would pray. And you could tell that they were praying regularly because uh, there was a dirt path and not a grass path because they were walking it down each time they went to that private place of prayer. Just as any American Christian, they would begin to backslide. And they would not walk with God as they should. They would not pray as they should. And you could tell it because the path would begin to have grass overgrowing it. And they would go to one another when they would see that. And this is what they would say, brother, the grass grows on your path. I believe tonight that in America, in the hearts of God's people, there is grass growing on our paths of prayer. I believe we have forgotten how to pray. We do not pray earnestly. We pray before our meals maybe and pray with our children before we go to bed. But how often do we cry out to God and beseech God for His mercy and His grace? And right now in this country, What a great opportunity we have to clear the grass off of our path just a little bit and continue in prayer, not just for ourselves, but for uh, our city and for our church and those that are leading in those endeavors. Several years ago, I took a a church in Seminary, Mississippi to pastor. I've told you about it many times. And uh, one day I needed to go to the church and I called the secretary and I asked her, can I get a key to the church? And she says, why? And I said, well, I need to get in the church to go do something or to grab something, and uh, I don't have a key yet. I haven't been there that long. She told me, she says, we don't lock the doors of the church. I said, ever? And she says, no, we don't ever lock the doors of the church, and we haven't since World War II. And I asked about World War II, and she began to describe to me how on a daily basis during the crisis that our country and our entire world was actually going through, that they left the doors of the church unlocked so people could come throughout that time and they could spend time in prayer beseeching God for His mercy and His blessings upon our country. He keep a hedge of protection about us from those that threaten to destroy us. And I believe now is the time that we need to do just the same. We need to beseech God and continue in prayer. So that's number one. Number two tonight, the second thing I believe we need to do or the attitudes that we need to have during this time of adversity is we need to encourage faith rather than enable frustration. Encourage faith rather than enable frustration. Could we just all agree tonight? And you're welcome to amen at your live screen tonight as you're watching. Could we all just go ahead and agree that everybody is being inconvenienced through this? Uh, I'm being inconvenienced through this. You are being inconvenienced through this. I want you to know it's very odd standing here tonight and looking out and seeing six human beings in our sanctuary. That's something quite different for me. Uh, And I'm not really getting any amens out of these guys. I'm going to have to get Miley to amen just a little bit or wave a hanky maybe to help encourage the preaching a little bit. Everybody's inconvenienced through this. Uh, I've even spoken with several parents who I think are not used to spending more than eight waking hours a day with their children. Uh, And I think the word inconvenience is probably an understatement for them. We're all inconvenienced. Let's go ahead and agree to that tonight. But if we're not careful, the inconvenience will bring out an unchristlike attitude. Uh, We see it on, on social media. 
Uh, see folks that are arguing back and, back and forth. There's people stirring up conspiracy theories. And there's people that are really, rather than encouraging one another, we are really enabling frustration. And if there's anything the people of God ought to be known for is the fact that we are people of hope. And we are people of courage. And we're people of peace. And so as we go forward in this thing, our attitude ought to be, number one, a continuance of prayer. But the second thing throughout this time of adversity, we ought to be encouraging faith. What a time to lean on God like we never have before. What a time to illustrate for the world that we are the people of hope. I saw something tonight. I think the Lord may have left this for me up on our platform on the left and right, we still have our faith promise giving commitment cards from our missions conference that was just a couple of weeks ago. As I walked up here, I don't know who put this here, uh, but I appreciate it very much because on our faith promise giving commitment cards, are, it says, by faith in God, I promise to give. And there's a blank that says, per week, above my tithes and offerings to Central Baptist Church for World Evangelism. I walked up to the platform and I noticed on top of one of the cards, somebody had written in pencil in the blank. I didn't know if it was one that needed to go in the offering plate, so I went and picked it up. And here's what someone wrote in the blank. By faith in God, I promise to give hope per week above my tithes and offerings to Central. Now, I don't know if someone meant that as a joke or maybe even one of our children uh, meant that. But what a blessing it is that we have that gift to give. By faith in God, every member of Central Baptist Church should look forward during this time and resolve in our hopes, our hopes that we're not going to enable frustration, but we're going to encourage in faith, and we're going to be the people of hope. We are going to give our friends, our family members, and even our followers on social media hope, and we're going to do that by encouraging them through the hope that we have. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29, the Bible says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. As Christians, we ought to ask every time we open our mouth to speak or we get ready to post anything on social media, is what I'm about to say with my mouth or what I'm about to say with my words going to be edifying. That verse goes on to tell us that it may minister grace. I hate to tell you, there's a lot of panic being ministered. There's a lot of discouragement being ministered. And we ought to be the people of hope that are ministering courage and grace and hope through the things that we have to say. I want to tell you this, hope and encouragement right now go a long way. Uh, there's a lot of things in short supply. We go to the grocery store. I told our men last night, I was even shocked to see that I went to the Dollar General store the other day to get a, can, a, a, a tube of Mentos, and even Mentos were gone. I'm not sure why we have a shortage of Mentos. I can kind of understand the Charmin toilet paper shortage, but it's hard for me to understand why there's a shortage of Mentos tonight. But uh, when I went there to see that those were there, they're gone. And you go in the stores and everything's missing and uh, there's things running out on the, the Lysol aisle and you can't get hand sanitizer and people are panicked. Right now, a little bit of hope would go a long way with people. I heard a story years ago that one morning a man went to his front door to get his, uh, to get his newspaper. The story goes on to say that when he opened his door, he looked down and he noticed there was a cute little puppy standing there with his newspaper in his mouth. 
He thought it might be some type of promotion from the newspaper company that they're using a dog now to help sell papers. And, uh, and so he wanted to do something for the little dog. And so he went to his kitchen and got some of his breakfast sausage. Uh, if he was in his right mind, it was probably some of the little butcher shops uh, breakfast sausage because if Brother J.R. Johnson's watching tonight, he gave me some of that the other day. And that's the most wonderful sausage I think I have ever eaten. And he gave the little puppy a piece of the sausage, closed the door, went inside, and he went, and went about and read his paper. The story goes on to say the next morning he got up, same routine, and he went to the door to open the door to get his paper. When he looked down, there was the puppy, and around the puppy was eight newspapers. That puppy was encouraged on the first day by what he gave him, so he went out to every door of all of his neighbors and collected all of the newspapers that were there. So that little bit of encouragement went a long way. He spent the rest of the morning taking his neighbors their paper back, explaining how they got to his house. But the moral of the story is a little bit of encouragement goes a long way. So during this time, let's be the people of hope. Let's be the people of courage. Let's be the people of peace. We proclaim that Christ is the Prince of Peace, and we sing about it during the Christmas time, and now it's time that we live that through our countenance or our attitude. So let's have an attitude uh, that continues in prayer, number one, and then number two, uh, that encourages in faith. You say, well, I believe this is a, uh, a conspiracy theory. I believe this is a conspiracy that this is being spread about by governments. Can I tell you, it very well may be something along that line. It may very well be capitalized on by politicians, but that does not change who we are supposed to be in light of the adversity. We are to be people of hope and encourage and edify through our words and even through our posts. So let's encourage in faith rather than enable frustration. The third thing, real quickly, I only have seven, and they get shorter the longer we go, okay? I think you know that by now, so stick with me on this. Number three, let's stay engaged. Let's stay engaged. Our theme this year has been engage, getting involved where every part make it increase. And now that we have had to make the drastic decision where we cannot be on property together in fellowship, it's going to pose a great threat to all of the ground that we've made this year together. So I want to encourage you to stay engaged. Understand this, although we are disconnected from the church building, we are not disconnected from the church body. The will of God must continue to go on as the body of Christ here in Central Baptist Church in Hattiesburg. We've got to continue to gather together, even if it is remotely. We gather together as we are now around the Word of God. We are still praying. I want to encourage you to continue to sing. Get our kids, stand them up by the couch. Let them sing together as Brother Heath leads them. Continue to stay engaged in the will of God and what He's called us to do here as a church. I'll mention in just a moment, let's continue to give. The will of God has got to go on. There are missionaries who need to get support who are in worse shape than we are. So let's stay engaged. Let's spend time in the Word of God. Let's spend time in prayer. And let's continue to witness. I believe as with Philip and the Ethiopian unit, God throughout this time is going to cross our path with people that are needing hope. There are people that are going to need courage. There are people going to need strength. And they're going to ask you why you have hope and you have courage and you have strength. And what an opportunity to witness. And so let's continue to stay engaged in the will of God. Because if you're not careful, here's what's going to happen. You're going to allow this difficulty to distract you from what God has desired that you do. 
and you're going to miss out on the opportunities that God's going to provide. First Peter tells us, we know this verse well, the Bible says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, seeketh whom he may devour. The Bible tells the very beginning of that verse is a prescription on what we should do, and that's remain vigilant. If we are not careful through this time by not keeping our guard up and staying engaged in the known will of God for our life, if we're not careful, that lion is going to break through our hedge, and we will lose the progress that we've made. Don't allow the difficulty to give place to the devil, as Ephesians chapter 4 tells us. I told our men last night we're going to try something through our live stream, and I noticed a moment ago as I sat there on the platform, as Brother Heath was leading in our music, I noticed so many of you that were logging on and making comments on our live stream, and I want you to know what a blessing and encouragement that was to me. Uh, It really encouraged my heart. I even put a a post on there myself, but we're going to use a hashtag during this time uh, on Facebook and on our live stream. It's going to be hashtag CBC still engaged. In spite of our circumstances and in spite of the fact that we can't be here together, we are going to still be engaged as a church in the will of God here at Central Baptist Church. So here's what I want you to do. Moms and dads that are watching, husbands and wives that are watching, or even if you're single and watching, I want you to take a selfie from time to time throughout this time that we are having to watch on live stream. And I want you to take a selfie of yourself watching the live stream in the background. And I want you to post it on your social media, whether it be Instagram or whether it be Facebook. And I want you to use the hashtag CBC still engaged. Now, I'm going to tell you why I want you to do that. What it's going to do is it's going to make sure you stay engaged, but it's also going to encourage others that are out there that, hey, more people than just you are sitting on their couch paying attention to the preaching of the Word of God. And we're going to do some things with our kids with that hashtag as well. So I would encourage you, number three, let's stay engaged. What kind of an attitude should we have in the face of this adversity? It's one that continues in prayer. It's one that encourages. And this, the third is one that stays engaged. Number four, and this is an important one, I want to make sure you maintain your personal walk with God. And this is what scares me the most as a pastor. I told our men last night, my hesitancy to go all remote was simply in my worry that without a structured, disciplined service schedule of Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, my worry was without that structure, that accountability, and that discipline that many of our people would lose their walk and slip and backslide. I told our men last night, this is where the training wheels begin to come off. This is where our spiritual maturity is going to be shown, and whether or not we remain faithful to not just tune into the live stream, but we're faithful in our daily disciplines and our daily walk. Hebrews chapter 2, the Bible tells us that we should give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, speaking of the Word of God, lest at any time we should let them slip. If we would all be honest with ourselves tonight, We know that over the course of the next month, and we pray it's only a month, but we know over the course of the next month, without having regular attendance scheduled services where we are here for Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, there's going to be a great opportunity for us to slip and to let things slide in our personal walk with God. I want you to understand The devil would love nothing more than to take this physical national crisis that we are going through right now and flip it over that it becomes a spiritual crisis in your life. And it will become a spiritual crisis during this time if you are not disciplined to maintain your personal walk. 
And I want you to understand discipline is going to be required or you may not make it back for the next time that we gather together in this building to worship God collectively as a church body again. I read a quote years ago by Tom Landry that said this about discipline. Tom Landry said the job of a football coach is to make grown men do what they do not want to do in order that they might achieve what they've always wanted to become. The job of a football coach is to make grown men do what they do not want to do. He's disciplining them. Why? For the goal that they might become what they've always dreamed of achieving, and that's becoming a professional football player and winning the Super Bowl. I want you to understand, if we desire to continue to become what God desires we achieve together, not only as individuals but collectively as a body, we must be disciplined and maintain our daily walk with God. Do not not cheat during this time. Spend time in the morning in the Word of God. Spend time in prayer in the Word of God. Pray with your children in the morning. Pray with your children at night. Spend time walking with God in prayer. Pray without ceasing throughout the day. Look, we don't have to close our eyes and bow our heads. We can speak to God as we drive down the road. Right now, our people must maintain their walk. I hate to tell you, you will not make it back from this time of, of hiatus away from the church. Paul told Titus, uh, wrote in Titus, he wrote, to be careful to maintain good works. This maintaining our walk with God is going to be vital. If you don't maintain it during this time, I hate to tell you, but your walk will slip and you'll find it hard to come back when it's time. 2 Timothy chapter 3, we read this last night in our men's meeting. Paul told Timothy, he says, in the last days we know very well that perilous times shall come and we understand the falling away and the apostasy and we understand the spiritual neglect, but understand this. Perilous times are perilous times, whether they are an epidemic or whether they are uh, times of economic problems, it doesn't matter. Perilous times are perilous times. What did Paul tell Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter number 3? He says, but continue Paul says there's going to be perilous times come. You're going to face tough times. You're going to face a spiritual epidemic, if you will. He says, but I want you to know that in spite of your circumstances, maintain your walk. He says, continue. So I want to encourage you tonight as a church, let's maintain our walk with God and continue in spite of the times that we're living in. Number five, this will help you right here. The attitude during this adversity, number five, should be a focus on others. Let's have a focus on others. The best way to distract yourself from what you are going through and what your family's going through is to get distracted by the needs of others. Can I tell you tonight that there are a lot of people who are downstream from you and I who have it worse off than we do. And if you want to get your mind off of having your kids more than eight hours a day, or if you want to get your mind off of having your husband, maybe your husband's laid off right now, and he's home, and uh, as I can do at times, uh, believe it or not, aggravate my wife. And uh, if we're going through this time, and we're getting frustrated because of all that's going on, one of the best ways to get your mind off of what you are going through is to focus on the needs of others. I learned this years ago from my mom. My mom has uh, multiple physical ailments that she deals with. One is an autoimmune disease and one is a blood disease that she has. And she fights these things trying to keep medicines balanced with the conditions she has on a daily basis. Several years ago, I called her and asked her what she was doing. She says, I'm on my way to the nursing home. She had baked some, baked some uh, small uh, pound cakes for some of the residents at our local nursing home. 
I says, you don't need to be doing that. I said, you are not well yourself, and uh, you need to be taking care of yourself. She says, well, I, I have found that it is easier for me uh, to not think about what I'm going through and how I feel when I'm ministering to the needs of others. So I want to encourage you tonight, uh, our attitude should not be focused on ourselves. Our attitude should be focused on the needs of others. And let me give you a wonderful example of that uh, contained in Matthew chapter 14. In Matthew chapter 14, you read at the beginning of the chapter, John the Baptist has had his head chopped off. And they come to Christ and they share with Christ this devastating news that John, who they had served with and looked up to and followed, John is now gone. The Bible says that immediately in Matthew chapter 14, after hearing this, Christ took his disciples to the side and took them away uh, to kind of spend some time together with them. The Bible says the people saw him and they followed after him, desiring that he would heal those that were sick. And Jesus began to heal them, and the, the day began to get late. The Bible says that the disciples looked at Christ and told him, send them away. Send them away. Now, can you imagine what the disciples were going through? John has died. This is not a distant friend. This is someone they were closely involved with and spent much time with and were very affectionate toward. And now John is gone, and now these people are wanting Christ to meet their needs, but they have a need of their own. And they asked Jesus to send them away. We don't have time to deal with their needs right now. We have a need of our own. But what did Jesus tell them in Matthew 14? Jesus told them, he says, give them to eat. I believe Jesus, what he was doing in the lives of those disciples was he was helping distract them from the heaviness of their heart and what they were going through by focusing on the needs of others that were there. And you're not going to have to look very far to find friends and neighbors, members of this church, you can read on social media, and you're going to find others that are going through worse things than you are. So I encourage you during this time, focus on the needs of others. Call and check on people in your care group. You're not going to see them every Sunday morning at Sunday school. You're not going to see them on Wednesday night at prayer meeting. Call and check in on them. Encourage them. See how they are doing. See if they have any needs in their life. I want to encourage our Sunday school teachers this week in a meeting to do the same thing. Touch base with some of our homebound members. Obviously, it's not good right now to go see them. Uh, a lot of these folks are older or not in good health, and they do not need someone to bring the virus over there to them. But call them, check in on them, and see if there's a need that we can help as a church body. And I do want to encourage you to do this. If you hear a need within our church body, would you please let some of our leadership know? If you have my number, get a hold of me. If you have some of our other staff members, get a hold of them. Uh, call the office, leave a message if you hear of a need during this time. So number five, focus on others. Number six, this is one maybe you haven't thought of, but I assure you there have been many that work around this place. The thought has crossed their mind. Number six, let's be mindful of our financial stewardship during this time. We would be naive to think as a church body that this is not going to affect uh, the bottom line of finances, not only uh, in your home and in the economies around, uh, around our, our country, but also the church finances. We know this will probably affect that as well. We live in an endlessly connected world where when one domino begins to fall, it is a trickle-down economics for good at times, and it's a trickle-down economics that is negative at times. This church still has to function together and carry out the will of God. 
And this church is responsible for a lot of needs around the, of the property, not only here, but needs around the world as we support missions. And so I want to encourage each and every one of the body of Central Baptist Church. I know we have a lot of folks probably tuning in tonight that are not members, but understand those that are members of our church. Let's be mindful of our financial stewardship. There's missionaries on our field, foreign fields. We met four of them during our missions conference just a couple of weeks ago. And we have over 170 other missionaries that our church actively supports. And they are in countries, many of them tonight, that are going through much worse circumstances than we are. And so let's be mindful of our financial giving and financial stewardship, that we can make sure that not only the function of this church and make sure our staff is taken care of around the property, our teachers are taken care of, but more importantly, our missionaries who are going through a time where maybe the resources at their hands are not as much as in ours. So let's be mindful of that as we go through this. We are thankful to have uh, automation through our church app. You can go to the app store, uh, CBC. It's, uh, it came back up today. It was down as you tried to get there yesterday, uh, but it's back up now. CBC Hattiesburg is at the app store. Uh, and on our app, we have an opportunity to provide our offerings and our tithe through PushPay. So I want to encourage you to take advantage of that uh, or through our website. Or then there's this snail mail if you want to use that. So number six, be mindful of financial stewardship. And the last thing I want to share with you tonight and this is the good news we're going to end with before we conclude our service tonight. Let's be a witness in the midst of this worry. Let's make it a sure. I kind of hit on this a moment ago. Let's make it a point that during this time, we are a witness in light of a world full of worry. We know the verse in Philippians. I've seen it all over social media the past few days, Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. The Bible speaks about the peace that passes understanding. And we love quoting that verse, and we love posting that verse oftentimes. And the rest of the verse tells us that it will keep our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And I want you to know, I'm thankful for that tonight. I am thankful that we have a peace that passes understanding that can keep us. But right now, it's not time to quote it. Right now, it's time to prove it. We are, look, we're good, good Baptists. We know verses and we quote Romans 8, 28, and we love quoting Philippians 4, 7, but in spite of quoting it and, 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 and proclaiming it, uh, right now we need to prove it. Right now we need to be that witness of hope and be that witness of peace. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but let's make sure we're a witness of someone who does not have the spirit of fear. I believe for our church tonight, it's time to prove what we have proclaimed and you may even come to know this peace that you've proclaimed for years like you've never known it before. As we look around tonight, uncertainty abounds everywhere. And I'll tell you what uncertainty does. There's not a lot of good that comes out of uncertainty, but there is one good thing I believe that's going to come out of this uncertainty. Uncertainty motivates men to seek something that is sure. Right now, there's not a lot of certainty in our world. There's not a lot of things that are sure. Many people do not know that, if their, job, that their job's going to be there tomorrow. Uh, we're watching the stock market rise and fall simply on the words of the president as the president addresses our nation. So there's not a lot of things that are certain, but we as the people of God, we have certainty. And the verse that I have gone to and leaned upon and promoted during this time is Psalm 61 two. I'm going to give you a second to turn there if you'd like to. Psalm 61.2, I want to encourage you tonight to mark this in your Bible. I want to encourage you to memorize this verse. I want you to encourage our children to learn this verse. Psalm 61.2, the Bible tells us this. 
From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. Now I want you to think about that. Notice when David says, from the end of the earth I will cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. And, and, and I'm going to say that unlike any other time in my life, right now in our country people's hearts are being overwhelmed. I told our men last night, I read this verse and I I see the water uh, coming up on David's heart where it's reaching the point where he's almost overwhelmed. He's reaching a place where the circumstances are negative and everything around him seems to be drowning him. And he says, I'm going to cry out unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. And right now what a time we have to cry out to God as our circumstances are overwhelming. But look at the last part of verse number 2. He says here, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. I don't know about you, there's been a few times in my life where I've been out in the water and could not reach the bottom and feared that I was going to drown. And in those times, I have sought out something that was solid, something that was sure, something that was higher ground than where I was at. I sought out whether it was a person or whether it was a log out in the, in, the, in the river or whether it was the shore. I sought out solid ground. Right now we're living in a world in a country of so much uncertainty and people are looking for that higher ground. They're finding that their finances are not stable They're finding out that their jobs are not stable. They're finding out that their personal opinions on matters, they're not stable. And they're looking for something solid that is higher than them. And look what an opportunity the church has. We know and we have something that is solid and that's higher than they are. And that rock, as we sing about in times like these, is Jesus. So what an opportunity we have to be a witness In the midst of this worry, I was talking to a preacher friend of mine today, and I said, I don't like this. I like a scheduled, rigid, uh, disciplined routine in my life. I said, I have never preached to an empty, near-empty sanctuary and preached directly looking at a camera before. I I don't like this instability. But I believe there's an opportunity in the midst of this obstacle. And the opportunity falls to the people of God to lead our country, to lead our neighbors, to lead our family, to lead our children to something that's higher than them. I believe within the future of this country, if things continue on the path that it's on, uh, the circumstances will get even more overwhelming. This crisis may subside and this epidemic may go away, and that's our prayer. But there will be another crisis. There will be another epidemic. There's going to be another catastrophe And there's going to come a time in my life where I will not be here. My daughter's going to be left here to live in this world on her own. And what an opportunity we have as moms and dads, husbands and wives, friends and neighbors to lead people to a rock that's higher than us. And that rock is Jesus. And what what an opportunity we have to guide them to that. I told our men last night, years ago as a kid, and that was, that was years ago, even though I'm only 40. That was years ago. Our yard flooded. There was a big rain, a torrential rain, and uh, the, all of the grass in our yard was underwater. And it was kind of flowing down toward the low spot in the yard. And I saw something coming toward us in the, the flow of the water. And in the flow of the water, I saw this ball of something, but it was moving. Couldn't tell exactly what it was. As I walked over in the water to see what it was, it was a large ball of red ants, fire ants. 
And those fire ants, their, their mound had gotten overwhelmed. It had gotten flooded and swamped. And, and so they came to the surface and they were scattered everywhere. And here comes this stick floating by, and those ants began to head toward that stick, and they found the only dry, solid ground they could. And they all climbed up on top of it. They started climbing on top of each other. Why? They were trying to find something solid to stand on in the midst of that overwhelming flood. Right now, I can tell you the finances of this country are not going to fix it. Right now, our opinions are not going to fix it. But what a privilege we have to lead people to a rock that is higher than them and will outlast the circumstances that they're going through. I'll close with this. 1998, Tom Brokaw wrote a book entitled The Greatest Generation, and really he popularized the greatest generation term during this time. I want to read for you the uh, Wikipedia, uh, if you will, just the, uh, the excerpt of this book and how it describes this book and how it describes The Greatest Generation. It says, Brokaw profiled Americans, American members of this generation as this, listen closely, who came of age during the Great Depression and went on to fight in World War II. Now, I want you to think about this tonight. We call them the greatest generation. The greatest generation was not born out of wealth and plenty and prosperity, The greatest generation, in his own words, says this, were those who came of age during the Great Depression, and they would go on to fight in World War II and help secure this great nation that we live in today. Now, here's the thought I want to give you. Whether it was Esther or Daniel or David, some of the greatest Christians that we read about in the Word of God were not forged through prosperity and ease. Some of the greatest Christians that we read about and we hold up as heroes of our faith were born through adversity. And how that encouraged my heart, as I told our men last night, it's my prayer that the next greatest generation of Christians that will go on to fight great battles for the cause of Christ are going to be born and to come of age during this time of adversity that we're facing during this virus. So let's not miss out on the opportunity we have in the midst of this obstacle. I believe at Central Baptist Church, the greatest generation of Christians could come out of this adversity. I believe the greatest generation of young people and teenagers and moms and dads and Sunday school teachers can be born out of this adversity, can come of age during this time. Why? Because during this time, we prove whether or not it's a peace that passes understanding. We are going to prove whether or not it is a grace that is sufficient. So during this time, let's get close to God. Let's spend time in prayer. Let's stay on our knees. Let's spend time in His Word. And let's stay engaged and not allow the circumstances of this moment dwindle and diminish our faith. Now's the time to prove that. So tonight, as we prepare to have just a, uh, a time of prayer for invitation, I want to encourage you. Let's be sure we maintain the right attitude in the face of this adversity. As David said, there's no reason for us to be cast down. There's no reason for our soul to be disquieted. Why? Because we're hoping thou in God, and we're going to praise him who is the health of our countenance. 
And in spite of the circumstances of the moment in our country and even in our church and the circumstances of our home, we are going to continue to be Central Baptist Church, and we are still going to be engaged in the will of God until we get together again. So let's have our heads bowed tonight and our eyes closed.